Hi, everyone. This is Jill Flaxington from the Road to Health podcast. Welcome to our latest episode. I'm starting to feel a little bit like a broken record because yet again, here we are. We're going to talk about the arrival of the COVID-19 pandemic and how social distancing has illustrated important gaps in care. But these are topics that affect everyone. And even if you aren't in a high-risk category yourself, we all have older friends, relatives, or loved ones who need our support now more than ever. So today, we're going to go a little old school and talk about the house call. Does everyone remember those? Well, they still happen, and they are a vital service for seniors in need of care. This episode will explore the in-home solutions developed in response to the pandemic and how they can extend beyond the current public health crisis to improve geriatric care in the decades to come. Joining me now are Dr. Matt Collins, Executive Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Rhode Island, and Dr. Anthony Zizza, Senior Medical Officer and a geriatrician from Landmark Health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to be here with my partner, Anthony Zizza. Dr. Zizza is a lead of our Landmark program, which uh, we fondly refer to as House Call by Blue. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation with Dr. Zizza, who's got lots of experience uh, behind him in terms of delivering care to an older population, and particularly in the home. Uh, Dr. Zizza, would you care to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you so much, Dr. Collins. Uh, As you said, my name is Anthony Zizza. I am a geriatrician by training, um, and uh, I have been the uh, regional medical director and most recently the senior medical officer of uh, Landmark New England. And we started uh, about three and a half to four years ago. Um, and I was drawn to Landmark because as a, as a geriatrician who was practicing at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and Harvard Medical School, um, having spent three to four or five years sort of in the field, I realized that we needed something different for our geriatric population. And despite being in an academic medical center and having so many resources in the office, um, we, they still needed that set of eyes in the home. And I wanted to do something that transformed healthcare um, and the lives of these geriatric patients. And when this model came to my attention by a friend of mine, actually, I thought there is no better way to take care of geriatric patients. So I made the jump. It was a bit difficult at first, um, but I made the jump. And I I have to say, looking back in the last four years, could not be happier with what we've done um, to help geriatric patients and their families. And really excited um, to have partnered with you at Blue Cross Blue Shield Rhode Island in the past um, 10 months um, to really make an impact in in the lives of geriatric patients in Rhode Island. I'm looking forward to hearing more about, you know, why you made that change and how that feels different from being in an academic medical center to shifting care to the home. But I'd want to talk a little bit about what, motiv- what motivated Blue Cross Blue Shield of Rhode Island to um, basically uh, invite the creation of this program. So we have a lot of uh, patients, members, particularly in the Medicare Advantage um, uh, segment, who are uh, suffering from multiple chronic conditions, um, and they might be uh, physically separated or incapacitated in some way to kind of access care. And, you know, under treatment of chronic conditions and even, you know, lack of treatment for, uh, from a preventive standpoint can lead to lots of problems. So we really felt that there was a segment of a small number of Medicare Advantage patients who really needed something more than what the traditional healthcare system is able to deliver. It's, you know, it's one thing for them to, you know, call 911 or go to their doctor only in an emergency, but um, you're missing a whole lot of care if that's your only uh, route, you know, for, for, for getting care. And so we've had this program up and running for about five years now, a little bit more than five years, and, and you guys, Landmark, have assumed um, 
the delivery of our house care house call by blue program uh, for almost a year. We've also had some of our um, uh, practices uh, create their own programs, which are modeled after the same program you're delivering, and uh, to some success. But I want to go back to you know what that experience was like for you as a geriatrician, seeing patients in an academic medical center, but then going to the home. And tell us about how it's different, too, during the COVID pandemic. Great question. So let me talk a little bit about how it's it's different before the COVID pandemic. Um, you know, Landmark becomes like a patient's second family. Um, we have a full interdisciplinary team that basically surrounds the patient and supports them and their caregivers and brings them the care that they need. Now, when you're in the, in the office, and I can... I can those of you who, ha- who are listening to this who are geriatric patients, you get your hair done, you get your makeup done, you look your best, you have everything ready, you go to the office and your family member says, now make sure you tell the truth and you try to minimize it because you really want to you know, show that you're strong. And, and that's fantastic. But there's something special about being in the patient's home, sitting at the, on the couch or the kitchen table and having that cup of coffee with them, seeing what their house looks like, seeing their support systems and building that relationship quickly. There's something about that that is special. And geriatric patients need that. Um, and that's from a provider standpoint. But the beautiful thing about a house call program like Landmark is also that We have fully employed staff who are there that we can call on to help those patients. So if we see that a patient has a house that needs a safety assessment, we can call one of our team in to do that. If we see and assess that they're depressed, we can call our behavioral health nurse practitioner in who can be there in two or three days. We can call our social worker if they need assistance with food or transportation or anything else for that matter. And we go to the patient. So that doesn't mean the patient and the family have to spend lots of time on the phone and also have to wait sometimes weeks to get some of these services in place. And it really makes a difference, not only from um, the patient's aspect um, and the family's uh, perspective, but also for a geriatrician and a provider, because we know we can get the care to that patient um, in a quick way um, and also in a way that's meaningful to them on their terms. And that's really person-centered healthcare, right? It's, it's actually going to the patient and their families and doing what they need um, to keep them happy and to keep them healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that. As a family doctor who's taking care of people of all ages, newborns to folks um, at the upper age of uh, the age limits of humans, and nothing, you know, helps to develop a better bond and a better, like, communication than, um, than showing that care of, uh, and concern of going to the person's home. As you said, you learn a lot about them and their supports and their living circumstances and things like that, their neighbors a little bit. Um, but you also um, are able to just have kind of um, more, uh, more open conversations with them than, than are kind of what the best you can muster up in a you know, 15-minute office visit. And you talked about having a care team behind you. So there's a, it's a physician-led team. There are uh, advanced practitioners, nurses. Um, and I know there's social workers as well. So when you pick up on uh, behavioral health issues, tell us about how you detect those and what your program can do to help address those. We hear a lot about integrating primary and uh, behavioral health care. So tell me how you guys 
um, accomplish that. Sure. Well, I, I like the way you mentioned the 15-minute visit. And one of, the way that, one of the ways that we accomplish these things is we don't have those. <laughs> they don't exist uh, with Landmark. We're in a patient's home for uh, at the very least an hour. Sometimes it could be two or three hours, depending on what we're doing. If it's a long, urgent visit, uh, if it's a goals with care discussion with a family member, um, we, we prioritize our day to take care of the patient's needs in front of us. Um, and that's a beautiful thing with uh, value-based care. Um, Not to get into the financials, but we're not thinking about billing for different visits. That's not in our our MO. We're thinking about how can we do uh, the best we can for that particular patient. And by having that extra time with the patients, we're able to uncover a lot of the things that can't be uncovered in a quick visit. And what I mean by that is we do comprehensive geriatric assessments. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's just a fancy word to say that we do an assessment that basically covers the medical, physical, psychological, cognitive, functional um, aspect of the patient. So we're not treating patients as diseases. Oh, you have the congestive heart failure, CHF. You're the COPD person. No, You are a person who has multiple conditions, and that means those conditions affect not just your body, um, but they affect your mind, your spirit, your function, Um, and that takes time to uncover and assess. Um, And so when we identify um, these, uh, when we identify Uh, these challenges in patients. I'll give you an example. Let's say we're doing a functional assessment on a patient and we realize they recently um, had to give up their driving. And we go deeper into that and it's because they may have gotten lost a couple times and the family has had to take that step. We're then able to do a comprehensive cognitive assessment. We're then able to bring our behavioral health team in to help with the depression and the loneliness, the isolation that may come from that. And then we have the nursing team who's making multiple calls per month to the patient to touch base, to follow up on the progress. Um, And that's what I mean by interdisciplinary. It's really a team approach that you get um, when we're involved in your care. It must just be a great feeling to be able to deliver that kind of care, and certainly it is. One of the things that's come up before is that some people are socially isolated and that the loneliness that that creates has an impact. But could you just talk about it as how do geriatricians view loneliness and what we all should be doing about it? Sure. Uh, Loneliness and isolation um, is particularly important now uh, in in the middle of the pandemic, but it's not new. And it's something that geriatric patients and, and older adults have dealt with for a long time. And loneliness doesn't always mean that you don't have people around you. Um, you can be lonely in a nursing home when you're f- where you're full of um, staff and other residents. You can be lonely um, if you are surrounded by um, people in an apartment building, but you don't really have relationships. So it's the relationship, not the people, that the quality of that relationship. And and that's where we get into the the, the assessments and trying to determine why patients um, uh, why patients feel lonely and isolated. And, and, and to the outside world, you may see that patients have a lot of people around them, and they, how can they be lonely? Um, but many of them are. So we look at the spiritual dimension. We look at what, what is meaningful to them. It may be that they 
want the social interaction of going to bingo once a week or they haven't been um, to their religious service in years because they don't have transportation or they don't want to burden their family. And the family's there, but they may not be asking them. So we want to uncover the barriers um, that these patients feel and then work little by little to help to remove those barriers. And that's where, you know, one provider can't do it all. And as a geriatrician, I can identify that and I can talk about it. But now by my bringing in my social worker and my behavioral health team, they start with the multiple visits and the talk therapy and getting them to be able to do what's meaningful for them. Um, and I think that that's, that's one way that it can, can be addressed. What we're trying to do at Landmark now, particularly during the COVID era, is really um, also augment the in-person visits with telemedicine visits so that we're having our nurses now hopefully be able to uh, not just do telephonic calls, but perhaps be able to set patients up with video so they can see someone's face. And, you know, just in my own experience, we've realized even as a team, it's very difficult uh, functioning in the virtual world. And we've used video um, a lot more now, and it just creates that connection. And so the patients at Landmark know that they have a team behind them who really cares about them. And they know that because it's not just where they are during the appointment, but when they don't feel well on a Friday at 5 p.m. and call us, we're there. When they're not feeling well on a Saturday night and every other place is closed, we go to them. It's 24-7. It's 365. And it's that security blanket as well, knowing that they always have someone to call if they get in trouble. Uh, it's great that there is telemedicine out there, and we at Blue Cross have done our best to make sure that it's available and accessible. But the population that you're serving, certain amount as people get older of sensory impairment, whether it's visual or auditory gaps in terms of people having access to like smartphones and tablets and things like that. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what the impact of that is? Thanks for that question, Dr. Collins, because that is so important. We, we, we know that telemedicine is going to be part of our future, but the population that it probably helps the most is the population that has the most barriers to participating in it. And what we found during, uh, during COVID um, is that about half of our patients, maybe a little less, have access to really have smartphones, know how to use them, know their passwords, and all of the things that go along with that. Um, so we've done, we've done several things to try to help that. Uh, we have uh, created a landmark telemedicine app um, so that we can uh, work with the patients who have smartphones and make it easier to do that securely. Um, we also have used family members who have the smartphones to try to arrange their being at the appointment at the time that we see the patient. Um, we also have uh, created some pilots um, with some of our uh, partners um, to provide uh, tablets to patients along with, as you say, um, speakers to augment the sound and uh, along with uh, sometimes headphones so that patients can um, really understand um, what the provider or the nurse or the behavioral health specialist or social worker is saying on the other phone. And I think that this is an area that we truly can partner um, with Blue Cross and with uh, our other, other partners as well to identify patients who 
um, don't have the access and don't have uh, the means to be able to, to um, take advantage of telemedicine. We also have another pilot that we're doing where we're taking tablets and uh, using them for um, urgent episodes. So we're giving tablets uh, to patients in the middle of an urgent episode, uh, meaning we're in there treating something that may take two, three, four, five visits or one, two, or three weeks to resolve. And that happens often with congestive heart failure, COPD exacerbations. And we're giving them that tablet during that time, which is the really high value time when they and their families can use it and, can, and we can see them and augment those in-person visits with the video visits um, to really catch things that we may need to catch and may not be able to tell over the phone. Um, so you have to be, um, you have to have some ingenuity and you have to really work on an individual basis to look at which patients need what. And there may be some that are perfect, don't need any extra help. They can, they're cognitively intact and they can use their smartphone or they have their tablet and we're in great shape. And there may be some that, that, that have none of those things. And that's where we have to be um, creative. And, and that's what we're trying to do. And the more support we can have, of course, with our partners, um, the better we can serve these patients. Mm-hmm. And speaking of flexibility and ingenuity, another aspect that is talked about widely now that contributes to health are what are referred to as social determinants. Things like transportation, uh, safe housing, uh, even neighborhood security and access to, you know, good fresh foods. Can you talk about that even just broadly as from a geriatrician's standpoint, you know, what are the ways in which um, your program or any, you know, health program should be sure to address those things, particularly in the senior population? So I can. And the first thing is you need time with the patient. You need to ask the appropriate questions, and you need to be able to deliver on the promises that you make. And that's why the, the longer visits, the time in the home, and the full uh, interdisciplinary team uh, is important. And, you know, I have a saying that I use often, and a mentor of mine gave it to me, and it's, it's so true. When you've seen one geriatric patient, you've seen one geriatric patient. They're all different, and they all have different needs. And so the stronger that relationship is and that trust is with the patient and their family, the more you're going to uncover. It's like peeling back an onion. Um, And as far as the shoulder determinants, it's even more important because they're more reluctant to tell you about their depression or that they can't afford fresh food. Um, things that they're embarrassed about. This is a generation that is proud and they've lived through so many difficult things and it's very difficult for them to admit um, or to accept or to share that they're not as strong as they once were. And we want to give them a safe space to be able to share those things. And so I'll give you an example. If we see a patient that has, you know, one of the things that we do is we're asking patients, can we look through your fridge? Can we look through your cabinets? Um, can we walk around and check the house? And we find the patient with heart failure who is not supposed to be eating much sodium, but all they can afford is Campbell's soup and a bunch of frozen dinners. And, and we'll, we'll put that in their care plan and we'll address that and we'll make sure that we're educating them and doing what we can to get the means, whether it's through um, the local, um, local uh, geriatric services or the plan or the family, um, to be able to provide them um, the opportunity to, uh, to, to uh, choose 
um, healthier items and to be able to afford healthier items sometimes. That's just one example. Um, but the isolation and loneliness, I, I do want to get back to that, particularly in COVID, because it's not just that they're isolated um, because of COVID, but they're also seeing their friends pass away and they're seeing their relationship be removed from them. And they're not able to grieve appropriately either because there are limited or no services available. And that aspect of how to get through grief uh, is so, so important and it's been taken away. Um, And that's where our team can also uh, and does also uh, help. We've had several calls recently um, of suicide and threatening suicide and it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, we've had patients call that have said they've gone to the ED for the companionship or for the food. And and that's something that any way that we can help to prevent that, um, we've we've done our job. And you know, this is a this is a tough job, and as one of my longstanding providers always says, it's the toughest job I've ever loved. And there's something special about that. Um We may not be seeing 20 patients a day, we may be seeing five, but we're changing lives each and every day. Uh, And that's a special thing to be able to do. Yeah, uh, thanks for sharing that, because it's got to be rewarding for for both the person receiving the care, you know, I know I've heard a lot of gratitude for that, and and to deliver that care. For people that go into this, you know, profession, whatever healthcare profession, they're primarily interested in, in helping people, and, and there's probably no better tangible way to help than the people who need it and deserve it the most. And it's great how you'll be able to keep them safe during this pandemic. I know you're able to do testing in the home, and you're able to address really all aspects of their care, as you were saying. So back to the beginning, you know, we were talking about, you know, this is kind of a throwback, the house call, because it's, you know, something of yesteryear you hear about, but here we are in today's world where it is critical to bring care, particularly to the most deserving, as I refer to them. What's the future of house calls? Like, where can you see this being applied beyond how it's being applied now for the neediest of the Medicare Advantage Blue Cross members? Um, You know, the world is like a pendulum sometimes. And um, I really do see the house call exploding. And there are many reasons why. Um, I told you about some of them during this podcast, but you know, you mentioned earlier, it's a very small segment of the population. Um, And if we're dealing with 0.5% of the geriatric population, that means there's about 99.5% of the population who doesn't have this. Um, Now, not everybody needs the same level. Uh, But when you think about the risks that older patients have, um, the time that it takes to coordinate care, um, the difficulty um, that it takes for the family, the time that the family members have to take off work to do what they need to do for these uh, patients, it, there's a, and I, and I, you know, I I hesitate to talk about the economic uh, reasons for this, um, but when you, when you take an interdisciplinary team like this and bring it into the home, um, it, it, it creates a lot of other opportunities, um, meaning uh, not just what we can discover in the home, as I said, it also creates um, a support system for the caretakers. Um, and they're not, they're, not, they're not forced to take time off of work. Uh, so I think that 
all in all, I see this not only expanding from the small segment of Medicare Advantage, but also moving into um, primary care, also moving into many other aspects um, of healthcare, where people are realizing now that, you know, it's it's not innocuous to to go into a healthcare system um, where you're exposed to multiple things in the era of COVID, uh, even when COVID is over, um, and. We need to be able to provide this person-centered care for this deserving population. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Ziza, for um, this podcast, for this time. I'm really delighted that you um, were able to join us today. And also uh, very grateful that you lead our House Call by Blue program for our uh, neediest Medicare Advantage members. Your insights have been extremely valuable and uh, I've certainly learned a lot, and we'll continue to learn together on how best to deliver care to this needed, needy population. I'd like to thank you as well, the, the support that Blue Cross Blue Shield Rhode Island and the, the support that you have given us um, is second to none. And it really allows us the opportunity to do what we love to do for these patients. And there's just so many opportunities that we have to teach um, all of all all of the to teach all of us, um, really, um, with respect to geriatric syndromes. Um, And I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. So we're going to wrap this episode up now. I thank you, Dr. Matt Collins from Blue Cross and Dr. Anthony Zizza from Landmark Health for joining us and for the really important discussion that you've had around geriatrics and in-home care. Thank you, as always, to our sound engineer, Mark Sheldon. And everyone, please stay healthy and safe, and we will see you next time.